Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Hey, we're going to start a brand new series. Who's excited to start something? Let's get it started. Um, and uh, it's called Sat Nav. I, I always chuckle as, um, uh, as Australians, we love to just abbreviate everything. And, uh, you know, we, university, who's got time to say the word university? No one. Uni. And I'm particularly fond of in Canberra, everything has an acronym. And some of the acronyms are longer than words. Like they, I go to the acronyms, you know, and there's, a, um, there's a kid's movie called... Um, Cloudy with a chance of meatballs, and he has the flibness defer, and that's the acronym for their device. But um, uh, sat nav, satellite navigation. Who who uses Google Maps on their phone or Apple Maps? Uh, there's um, you know GPSs you can get in your car uh, that that help you find your way. And I, I feel sorry. There's a whole generation growing up uh, right now who will never know how to use a UBD or a Gregory's. And um, who still has one in their car? My mum still has one uh, in case the, you know, in case there's an apocalypse or something and she needs to be able to get to the, I don't know, a suburb she's never been to. I know in Canberra it's not quite the same, uh, but I grew up in Sydney and Sydney is just a mess. It's just a mess of roads. It, it, Sydney was designed by people on horseback who were crazy. And um, it's true, like, they have, what are we doing? And, um, and I remember you would be navigating around, and I don't know if this was it true in your... It was always like the destination was in the twilight zone. The twilight zone was in between the two pages. Do you remember that? And you'd be there trying to... And it never just pieced together like that, did it? No. No, it was like a weird angle. And then there'd be the moment where you'd be driving off the map, and it'd be like, turn... 300 pages that way. Are you panicking? Turning it up. Who does this one? Who still does that with their phone even though it's doing it for them? Wherever we're, wherever we're going in life, I think it's true that we're all looking for guidance. We know None of us have ever done this before. If this is your second time around, I'd love to talk to you at, at the end of the service. Because you just got born, didn't you? You just came in kicking and screaming, and, and, and no one really told you how to live life. No one really gave you a roadmap. We're all kind of making it up as we go along. There's a sense that, you know, we're all just discovering and entering into. No one has been to tomorrow yet. No one has been a year in, in, in the future, and, and we, we're all looking for how do I live my best life? I think that every person wants to live their best life, and every person, I think, at some point is asking, well, I, I'd really like some divine guidance in my life. I'd at least like to know what God thinks, because God knows stuff, right? He, he's God. He created everything. He sees the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. He, he kind of sees time separate from the way that we experience it. And so all of us at some point are going, God, what do I do in this particular situation? And that's what this series called Satnav is all about and making decisions and how to hear from God. Uh, this morning, what I want to do is, is lay a foundation so that we understand some, some, some principles uh, around how we receive guidance in our life and how we understand what God's will is. So the title of my message is The Way to His Will. Who would like to know the way to His will? 
I'm going to share with you some thoughts around that. I um, want you to come in your Bible to Proverbs 3 and verse 5. If you've been in church for a little while, this verse may be familiar to you. It's one of those sort of put it on a plaque and put it up in your house kind of, kind of verses. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Remember, we've never done this before. <laughs> In all your ways, everybody say ways. In all your ways, submit to him. Now, I think that the word submit, the idea of submission has been given a bad rap. The word submission has come to mean a place of weakness, a place where you bend your knee, a place where you are powerless. But if you, if you really look at the true meaning of what it is to submit, sub meaning under and mission meaning purpose, direction, flow, objective, outcome, if I'm under that, that purpose of God, I find that I, I'm under his authority. I'm under his empowerment. I'm under his direction. I'm under his guidance. When we are outside of submission to God in him, we find ourselves wavering and lost. And like a reed being blown about by the wind, we don't really know what we're doing and where we're going. And we're just inventing it. And, and one of the things that, you know, from a, uh, my sort of a personal opinion, you know, we, we hear a lot of stuff in the, in the media about, you know, we're a progressive society and we're doing this and we're going to change this. And, and I'm like, that's great. I'm all for, for, for progress. Can someone just tell me where we're progressing to? Because I don't think anyone knows. So we have this idea of being in submission as a place of weakness. It's actually a place of empowerment. Because when I come under his mission, I come under all of the authority that goes with that. And so it says, in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. I believe every person wants their, their life to, to, to lead in a straight way, like not, not, not bending and straight paths. I want you to read one more verse with me. We're going to go to Colossians 3. And verse 17, one of my favorite verses in the New Testament, this is Paul, he's talking about really the, the, uh, the theme of Colossians is about putting Christ at the center and the head of everything that we do. And then Paul drops this bombshell in chapter 3, verse 17. He says, whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, whatever. Why don't we take a moment, we're going to pray, then we'll unpack this. Father, we thank you for your word to us. God, we thank you that your word is light and life. God, we thank you that you have taken incredible steps to reveal yourself to us. God, you did not distance yourself from us, but God, you stepped in. You even went to the lengths of sending your son clothed in flesh to make a way for us. So God, we want to know your ways. We want to know your will. We want to know what it is to be guided by you in our life so that we have a straight path. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit would help us understand your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I uh, remember this movie in 1998 called Sliding Doors, and it stars Gwyneth Paltrow. Hands up if you've seen Sliding Doors, the movie. I don't want to ruin it for you. I'm not going to, but it is, you know, something if you don't have anything else that you want to watch, you could watch this movie. And um, the premise of the movie is that there's, there's, uh, she, she goes to get on a train near the, the front part of the movie, and in one uh, version, she gets on the train, and a series of events unfolds, and in the other sort of parallel universe, she misses the train, and another completely different set of events unfold. And it's an interesting um, 
uh, idea to explore that one decision, one inaction, one action can separate our destiny in such a radical way, you know, just to think that if I, if I didn't take the phone call if, or if I was driving 10 kilometers slow or if I was, you know, not in that specific place at that specific time, that, would, that event would not have happened. And to, to, to hypothesize around what could have changed and what could have shifted it in our life. I remember this episode of The Simpsons where Homer has discovered time travel, as he would do, and uh, he goes back in time thousands of years and accidentally kills a mosquito. He goes back to see what the impact of this is in, his, in the present day and he arrives to find his, his amazing life. His, his kids are, are well behaved and, and his, his marriage with Marge is, is amazing. He's got this great job. And then he says to Marge, oh, Marge, can you get me a donut? And she looks at him like, what's a donut? And he freaks out and he jumps back in his time machine and flies back. As he's flying off, she says, oh, it's raining again. And it's raining donuts from the sky. But we, we can kind of get a little bit terrified about this idea that, that one little thing could, could, could mess up my whole life. If I pick the right lot, lotto numbers, I win big. If I pick the wrong lotto numbers, I, I lose out. And we can start to think that every decision that we make has a catastrophic impact on our life or our, our inability to make that decision. And we, we can sort of get paralyzed in our life thinking, well, what is the will of God and how do I make these decisions? And we're going to Kmart and we're looking at a blue shirt and a red shirt and we just, we just don't know what the will of God is. Because red, I mean, that represents the blood of Jesus, right? But blue, Jesus said, you know, there's a and you know, there's this water, this river that will flow from within you. So there's the, the water of life. It's red. And we could become so paralyzed. And e- e- either that or we, we start to suffer from what I call felt lead poisoning. Every little decision, we felt led to do it. Oh, I felt led to buy the red shirt. Oh, I felt led to ask him. I felt led to do that. And it, and it takes a really brave, brave pastor or connect group leader to say, actually, that's not God. That's just your opinion, or that's, you know, oh, I felt, I felt led to, you know, go off with that woman, and she was already married. No, 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 no. no. See, see we, can get, we can get a bit weird about this stuff, and that's where this term comes, super spiritual. People who are, who are over-analyzing, over-spiritualizing these, these decisions, and we, we can kind of freak out with them and be paralyzed. And it's, I was on a phone call the other day and I, I just wanted to get my problem fixed. We had an issue with, a, with a, a thing at work and I just wanted the guy to come and fix it. And he's like, at the end of the call, if you could stay online and help us, you know, ask some I'm like, I'm not, I'm not solving your problem, buddy. You're solving my, I just want, I need a decision made. I need it. And it's a bit like that sometimes when we live our life. It's like, I just want to follow Jesus. But we find that a million decisions follow the decision to follow Jesus. And what do we do with all of that? Some of it isn't as clear. The Bible will say that, you know, children are a blessing. It doesn't tell me how many I'm supposed to have or what names to give them. So what do we do? Well, let's unpack this a little bit because it's really, under, it's really part of understanding what the will of God is, not, not necessarily what it is for your life specifically. We will probably drill into ways that we discern the voice of God and hearing from the Holy Spirit and hearing God through His Word in the weeks to come. But I want to give you a, some foundational, at least some hooks that you can put your thoughts on. Okay, In, in Ephesians 5 verse uh, 17, it says, Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. How do we understand what the Lord's will is? 
what does this even mean? The first thing I think that we talk about when we talk about the will of God is what we would say are the works of God, the workings of God in the earth. And uh, theologians might call this the sovereign will of God. And what this means is that when God wants to get something done, it gets done. So we see God working in the creation of the earth, and he says, let there be light. And light was. Light just had to turn up. Now, you note the sun wasn't there yet, but light just had to find a way to get it done. Because when God says something, it's going to get done. So he says to Abraham, he says, Abraham, you're going to be the father to many nations, and they're going to be blessed through you. Abraham's, Abraham's like, I can't even have a I can't even have one son. I can't even have a child yet. God, I'm too old. Have you seen my wife? Tells his wife, Sarah laughs. Like she's like, <laughs> hilarious. Anyway, uh, and, but, but God gets it done because circumstances and situations and ingredients don't seem to matter when it comes to the working of God, to the purposes of God. He can take whatever ingredients are present. He can take a stuttering, insecure guy called Moses and help lead his people out of, out of you know, Egypt into the promised land. It wasn't that it wasn't, it was, oh, maybe it will happen, maybe it won't, maybe Pharaoh. No, no, Pharaoh's going to let go just how much pain does he want to endure because God will get it done. And when God said, I'm going to send a savior into the world, God gets it done despite extraordinarily unusual circumstances. We've got a virgin. We've got a weird little journey down to Bethlehem. Bethlehem is down the road from the middle of nowhere. I mean, that, the UBD doesn't even have the road to Bethlehem. You know. and, the, the, and, then, and then there's Herod out there. He's trying to massacre an entire generation to make sure that Jesus doesn't grow. This is extraordinary, but God gets it, gets it done. Here's a verse that blew my mind. Acts 2, verse 22. So God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But here's the thing. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. See, we have all this debate. Was it the Romans that killed him, or was it the you know, Pharisees that killed him, the religious leaders? No, no. God already had a plan in motion, and he was able to use stuff that we would say is outside of his ways, which we'll talk about in a second, to accomplish his works. See, that, that's the kind of, that's the bigness of God. The Bible says in Romans 8 that God is working together, working together all things for good, for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So you can give God your bad decisions. You can give God your brokenness. You can give God your, your successes. You can give God the, these ingredients. And Joanne will tell you, like, like she's a chef, you don't want the wrong ingredients in the recipe, do you? Because they, it tends to spoil it. But God is so awesome that he can take even the pieces of death and destruction. You think about this. People drive down the road, and on their, on their rear vision mirror, they've got a little symbol, and it's a cross. Or they're wearing something around their neck, and it's a, it's a cross. Well, it's interesting. We don't have too many people walking around with a little electric chair around their neck, do we? What, what, what are we, what are, what's happened here? Well, what's happened is that God is so powerful, he's able to take a symbol of death and destruction, a symbol of torture, a symbol that was meant to strike fear into people, and he's turned it into the international logo for salvation. See, this is the kind of God you say. Some people think, oh, I've got to have my life all together before I come to God. No, no, no. If you just come to God with everything that you are, the junk in the trunk, everything, he works it all together for good. 
So Joanne's down to her last $20 slash $50. But God's working everything together for good. Did, did Joanne have it on her bucket list that, you know, I really want to go through a really tough time when I get to Australia? That'd be great. It'd be great if I ran out of money and I lost my job. That'd be fantastic. Lord, thank you if you can answer. There's no way she's praying that prayer. But God works it all together for good. And so now Joanne has found she's dug out a treasure that she will never want to leave. And if you ask her, she'll say, would, would you go through it again? Absolutely, I'd go through it again because of the treasure that she's now. See, God works it all together for good. This is the works of God. And then we have the ways of God. So we, we read our Bible and we discover that God has revealed to us the way that he wants us to live. This is not obscure. This is clear. He even wrote some stuff in stone tablets in the Old Testament. This is how simple I want it to be. Do not murder. <laughs> okay. Do, do not steal. Do not commit adultery. So he gives instruction. Jesus does this Sermon on the Mount. He says, this, this is the way I want you to live. And so we understand as we read the Word of God that these ways of living are clear to us. I said, they're clear to us. They're not convenient. They're clear. They're not easy. They're clear. They're not comfortable. They're clear. They're not trending on Facebook. They're clear. The ways of God are clear. We're called to live in a way that we're pure, that we love, that we're humble, that we're generous, that we're forgiving, that we're grateful that we're selfless. Christ himself demonstrated the way that we're meant to live our, our life. So if we can just use maybe this building and we look at this building and it's, you know, magnificent structure and we think, okay, this building represents the works of God, the will of God. Imagine then that this stage are his ways. As long as I am walking in his Ways, I'm inside his will. Often we come to the Lord and we say, God, what is your will for my life? And what we're really asking for is when, what, <laughs> where. God, I need to know where you want me to go to university. God, I need you to tell me when I should get married. God, I need you to tell me what job I should do. But God's answers to us is not when, what, and where. God answers with how, why, and who. So it doesn't actually matter to him where you go to university. He's worried about or concerned about how you live when you get there. As long as I'm in his ways, I'm in his will. It's extraordinary. So when should I sell my house? Where should I go to school? What suburb should I live in? Do you know what God, I think, would respond to a lot of these questions, a lot of these prayers that we pray, would be with Colossians 3.17. Whatever. Whatever. I remember when I was uh, becoming romantically attracted to my, my, my wife. She wasn't 
This wasn't yesterday. This was this was a while ago. Now, this is before we started dating, and I sort of said, "Oh my gosh, you know, having feelings and blah blah blah." And and we had you know that conversation where my palms were just so sweaty, and I had no saliva left in my mouth because my palms needed all of it, obviously. And uh, my heart's trying to escape out of my chest, and and said, "Oh, I like you." And um, but not that eloquently. So, that, and um, she's like, I like you too. And then I'm like, <gasps> what happens now? And then, um, and, and so I was at a time where I was, I was really trying to discern, God, I want to do, the, do, do your will for my life. God, I need you to test, you know, lead me and guide me. And so I started really praying about this. I'm like, oh, there's this girl I really like, God. And you know, I just don't know, do I ask her, is she the right one, God? And I'm praying, I'm praying, is she the right one, is she the right one? Has anyone ever, ever had that thought, you know, is she the right one? Imagine if, imagine if she's not now the right one, like I've married the wrong one. So the guy who was meant to marry Deb, he's now had to marry the wrong one. And then the girl that she was married the wrong one. And do you know what, we've even gone further, we've had the wrong kids then. I mean, we, with my inability to discern the will of God, I have completely thrown off the entire romantic balance of the universe. Everyone who is single here, you, there is no hope for you anymore because I have married the wrong one. What a ridiculous thought that we could break the will of God with one decision. It's far more robust than you're giving it credit for. So... Um, I had, this, had that prayer time, and I'm praying for like a week. Like, you know, maybe not as probably profoundly as Joanne's, you know, prayers, because I'm not that, that as good a Christian as Joanne is, but <laughs> it's awesome. Two weeks. I would have been there for two years. And guys, <laughs> Anyway, so I'm crying out to God. I'm like, God, what do I do? What do I do? And do you know what I felt like God said, finally, after like, no, no, nothing coming back. He said, Tim, could you make up your mind? Make a decision so we've got something to work with. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. As long as I'm in his ways. Now, it would have been different if Deb was already married with three kids and I'm like, well, I really like that. No, no, no. Now I'm outside of his, his ways. But as long as I'm in his ways, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. It's how, why, and who? So, so God is answering these questions saying, okay, so how I live my life is more important than where I live my life. Why I show up to work is, not, is more important than what I do at my work. Who I'm becoming is more important than when I get married. So what does it matter if God sends you the right person, if we take this, but you're the wrong person? You'll take the right relationship, turn it into the wrong relationship because you haven't been worried about how you're living. You're living outside of his, his does this make sense? Is this helping anybody? Because if we can get this, we understand if I'm in his ways, I'm inside his will, it'll set you free. No longer will you be paralyzed around the red and the blue shirt. You'll buy both. And then your wife will tell you, neither looks good. <laughs> <laughs> So we can spend too much of our energy and focus looking for personal guidance around the specific parts of what is concealed by God. The disciples did this. They were like, 
So, Jesus, when are you coming back? It's not for you to worry about. Oh, well, you know, I've got a few things, you know. When, when, will, the, when will this wrap up, this whole, like, you, resurrection? Remember? No, no, no. And you see people try and, you know, put themselves out. There was a guy a few years ago I felt so, so sorry for him. His name was Harold, and he predicted the end of the world incorrectly twice in a year. And, um, ouch. We spend all this time looking for what's concealed when really what God wants us to do is do what he's already revealed about his ways. So what is it that I need to submit in the way that I'm living so that God can reveal his direction and guidance to me? See, God has not hidden his will from you. We get this thought that maybe he's up in heaven. He's like, Gabriel, Gabriel, now, hide it, hide it, hide it. They'll never find it. A lot of confused people down there. No, no, no. He's revealed the way to life, which is extraordinary. Second Samuel 22, verse 31, it says, As for God, his way is perfect. So maybe as we start this series, instead of praying prayers, God is your hand on my life. Perhaps the prayer we need to pray is, God, show me your heart. So I think as we, we learn what his heart is, we'll find where his hand is moving. A few thoughts about the will of God that I've observed. The first one is that the will of God is about today, not someday. So whenever God called someone to do specific assignment, which is often the thing that we're looking for when it's about guidance, we always want the burning bush or we want, you know, Jonah, go to Nineveh. What's plan B? Jonah, go to Nineveh. You can do it on a boat or in a fish. Doesn't matter. We're going to Nineveh. You know, we're looking for that kind of you know burning bush moment. But what I, what, what's interesting about Moses is he was tending sheep. God burnt the bush. But a lot of people walking around looking for burning bushes and ne- neglecting the sheep. What is it that God is already getting you to do today that you can position in His ways? Maybe there's some things in your work-life balance that you need to shift in how you're living your life, how you're relating to your spouse, how you're treating your children, why you've chosen that career, why you get up in the morning, why you do these things rather than what you're doing. And it's about today. It's not about someday. We, we hear people talking about, oh, one day I'm going to do this and one day I'm going to do that. What, it, what can God do through you? today. The second thing I've noticed about the will of God is more about my motive than about my action. More about my motive than about my action. If, if, if I can take care of my motive of my heart, even if I completely screw up the action, God seems to take care of it all. But if I go out with a sinister, selfish intent and execute a brilliant business proposal or something, I I find that things can start to fall apart because my motive isn't connected to it. And so the will of God is about the motive of our heart. Jesus said that, you know, all everything is about what happens in a heart. You know, you can't bring forth a good thing out of your heart if there's evil in there. So looking after our heart is so important. Saint Augustine, one of the great saints in, you know, history, this is some profound wisdom for you. He said this, love God and do as you please. If we love God, we do as our please. Whatever you do, whether a word or deed, do it unto the Lord. But a lot of people 
working in different career options to soothe their insecurity, to try and make a name for themselves, to try and climb the, the ladder of success. Just one more promotion, one more promotion. Because there's a billboard at the top of the building. You don't understand. It's all shiny. It says, success. He who dies with the most stuff wins. Only to find they're halfway up the ladder, turn around and realize their ladder's leaning against the wrong building. And they've lost themselves in this pursuit of trying to soothe an insecurity on the inside and make a name for themselves when in fact God wants to set you free from all of that. The third thing that I've noticed about the will of God is about a person, not a place. It's about a person, not a place. It's about who you're becoming and also who you're following. It's not where you live. It's not whether you should get the three-bedroom house in Gungahlin or the two-bedroom unit in Belconnen or whatever it is. It's about who you are and who you're following. So when we go back to Proverbs What did it tell us? To trust in the Lord with all of your heart. To lean not on your own understanding, but in all my ways, submit to Him. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au We hope to see you in church again this weekend.